0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd. Hosted by Anne Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curtain. Hosted by Anne Saxelby. Broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network.
1: Welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Anne Saxelby, and uh, my guest today, I am very pleased to introduce, is um, Patricia Michelson, owner of the famous La Fromagerie in London, and uh, most recently, author of a, a really beautiful, wonderful book on cheese called cheese the world's best artisan cheeses a journey through taste tradition and terroir um hello patricia how are you i'm fine how are you doing i am quite well and and much better now that we actually have gotten you on the phone there was a bit of a snafu with the uh trying to trying to call internationally so i do apologize we kept you waiting
2: oh that's all right don't worry
1: <laughs> what time is it over <laughs> there by you
2: it Actually, um, just after half past eight in the
1: evening. Okay, okay. And so I, I, I do apologize as well for um, taking you away from the World Cup finals. I don't know if you're a football fan. <laughs>
2: We um we are right in the middle of it at the moment so I'm <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, everything is going well.
1: <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> it's funny here in Brooklyn right now there are um I, people are crowded around it's really it's it's quite a oh, really? scene here at Roberta's. Oh yes. Um we
2: were selling um, we were uh, in our cafe we were selling uh Spanish cheese plates and um a Dutch cheese plate and the Spanish cheese plate seemed to be very much more um taken than the <laughs> I don't know if that's anything to go by.
1: <laughs> so if if cheese, you know, if cheese will dictate the winner, then I think we've got a <laughs> we've got a strong cheese vote or, for or, Spain or
2: German octopus. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's hysterical. Well, in my shop, um, we have a cheese called Hooligan, which you actually wrote about in your book, and um, I thought that you know that would have been an appropriate World Cup cheese. Um. <laughs> get your get yourself a stinky piece of hooligan for for watching the world cup
2: absolutely yeah.
1: oh well so thank you again for being on the show it's such a pleasure to be able to chat with you and i was hoping that you um could tell our listeners a little bit about la Fromagerie and uh sort of the genesis of your business and and how you've come to uh to have such a beautiful shop in london
2: Oh, that's very kind of you. Well, um, it, it's sort of apt that I'm talking to you, and I think you're, you're sitting in a sort of a converted shed, aren't you, or something? Exactly. It's a shipping container. Yes. Um, well, I started in a shed, too. Oh. So um, it, it seems quite apt. I, I, but I started in a shed in my garden, and I think that um, it says a lot about uh, people that um, have uh, a, a passion about something and want to start it from scratch. And... How better to do it than you know, from the base upwards, from a from a garden shed. But um, what happened with me was that uh, I fell in love with the cheese when I was skiing uh, very badly, and <laughs> still ski very badly. But um, I do, it actually I do helped too. me sort of find a cheese.
1: <laughs> now, so what what happened exactly? What was this? What happened on this skiing trip? Because I, I read just a touch about it in the beginning of the book, and I thought it was so hysterical.
2: Well, I, I, you know, it's a coup de food, you know, when you have love at first sight. But I, I was, as, as I said, skiing very badly, and I'd lost um, um, the people that I was skiing with um, because I had a bit of a tumble and I lost um, where actually I was I was going. And I found my way down eventually, it's a mountain, and um, it's in Meribel, which is a very pretty part of um, Savoie in the Trois Vallées which is uh, very, very beautiful. And I walked through the little village of Meribel and um, went past the, the uh, cheese shop, which is called La Femacherie, and I popped in to get some cheese because I was starving. And uh, the local cheese there is Beaufort. So um, with my last few francs, it was francs at the time, uh, <laughs> I bought a, a little piece of cheese and I munched it on my way back up to the chalet and it was so delicious. I thought, God, that's really changing the way I feel after feeling really, you know, bad really about bad. Yeah. Sort of, <laughs> yes, it sort of lifted my spirits and uh, I I couldn't, um, I couldn't stop thinking about it through the night. And the next day... I went down to the main village um, in Moutier and looked for a uh, cheese stall because it was the market day. And I found the cheese maker local Beaufort and, and um, organized a big wheel to take home with me. And, and basically that's how, how the business started.
1: That's amazing. One wheel of Beaufort in a in a humble garden shed, and now yes. and now twenty some odd years later, you you have a, a veritable cheese empire over there in uh, in London. Um,
2: yes, it's, well, it, it's, a, it's a, a, I think that I I sort of wanted to uh, evoke what I felt about cheese and the way that, that life is out in in places like the savoir and and other rural areas not just in france but the rest of europe and and the rest of the world really anybody that does artisan handmade food is is very much you know their own person and i wanted to have a shop that really um really gave a shot at that and wasn't a conventional shop rather like you as well you know you're not conventional you run it because you love it, you you love the cheeses, and you you showcase the cheese, um, how you feel about it, and the seasons and everything else. And the business has actually grown through the years as being um, a, a true love of the artisan and tradition, and and everything else. But also, you know, celebrating the individual who makes the cheeses.
1: It's so funny. I feel so much the same. And and I was actually. Um, Uh, the previous show that I did was with uh, Kate Arding who um, got her start at Neal's Yard Dairy and now has uh, a cheese magazine in the United States and um, she said that that was really the first thing that drew her to the cheese you know industry as well and it was for me too I I feel like there's this connection with the people that make the make this wonderful this wonderful thing called cheese yes I
2: know Kate very well we 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 go back a long, long way, and uh, I, I um, dragged her to Paris very cheaply um, to do it overnight so that we didn't actually stay there, so we went by bus, and we bused it from London to Paris and went to an agricultural show, which was fascinating, and then bussed it back and didn't sleep for, like, sort of... Um, over 30 hours, but it was a, a really fun trip, but we got to know each other very well, having to sit next to each other on this bus for hours on end. But, <laughs> um, I, I understand, I, you know, um, Kate helped me a lot with all the American cheeses uh, on the book, by the way.
1: Well, that's that's amazing. So your book is, is a gorgeous, gorgeous book, and um, you do uh, spend quite a bit of time with the American cheeses, so I, I wanted to to talk with you about that. Um, what made you decide to focus, uh, you know, to focus a portion of your book on, Amer- on American cheeses and what did you discover um, you know, that surprised you or what What? what things, I don't know, were disappointing. Um, t- tell us about the range of experiences you had, sort of researching oh, American they're cheese. They're all
2: positive. They're, uh, they're all positive because um, when you think about cheese, you always think, oh, you know, Europe, Britain, you always think that they can only do cheese, but this is not the case because uh, so many Europeans went to find a new life in America, and they took with them all their skills and um, their memories, skills, and 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 also having um, amazing land to work on to uh, to make cheese. And here in in Europe, we're you know we're very blasé about our cheese, and we we're also very blasé about the lack of of knowledge from America, and it really annoys me because. As early as, I think, 1993, I was receiving little, you know, little tasters of cheese before all the horrible authorities, as you can't, can't bring things over the board and all that stuff. That is I, I used to get them, you know, lovely cheese. Um, the first one was the um, the Majors uh, lovely cheese. Oh, Vermont, Vermont Shepherd, yes. Yes. Yeah, that was the first one I tasted, I think it was about 1993 and it was it blew me blew me away i thought my god this is a real artisan cheese that's coming from america and nobody knows about it nobody will know about it because you know you can't buy it here and i thought if ever i get the chance to write because i'd written a little book in 91 a little sort of memoir and i thought if ever i can write another one i'm going to devote a big chapter to america just to show how europe is connected to um, the other side of the pond, and how how well um, it actually serves um, both sides of, of the Atlantic and i I was absolutely amazed because with the help of Kate with formulating the cheeses that I then photographed when I was um, in on um, just outside New York we we, uh, um, we we built like a little studio in a in that um, uh, just oh gosh in um oh in i can't remember the name of the where she lived and um It was amazing. All these cheeses were coming to us and we were photographing them and I was tasting, making notes and photographing. I said, gosh, each one was better than the other. Even the block cheddars, you know, which I Mm. had always said, oh, God, you know, block cheese. But some of those block cheddars were really good and really um, showcased how well you can do a block cheddar as well as doing an artisan one in a cloth. So... It's all positive, and if only, if only um, more people know about what goes on in the states. It's not just about mass production.
1: Well, I feel like for a lot of people, it has to come from the mouth of a person like you, who literally has tasted hundreds or probably thousands of cheeses. Um, and so it's really great that you took that stance uh, as as an educator, because the profiles on all these farms are beautiful. And I also really enjoyed your description Of um, as you were talking about before, of the different kinds of immigrants that came to the the United States and where they settled and how they influenced the cheese culture there. Could you talk a bit about that, about how you kind of view the different parts of the United States with regards to uh, their immigrant populations? Yes, I think that that's very
2: important because... It's, um, it's not just about the cheese, it's about a lot of the food and a lot of the farming that goes on in the States and it's a fascinating, I, I, I'd love to go into it much, much deeper because um, it says a lot about, um, the people say a lot about the way that things have actually happened in farming in the States, it's such a vast country, it's so amazing it has so many different climates and cultures and everything else we don't have that in europe europe is very much smaller you know it's more collective in the states you you have this incredible diversity and the the different climates that change the way things are made and the way that cheeses are, are, are worked as well and the way that the people you know Take a traditional recipe and then work it to the land that they've got there and their climate and everything else. I, you know, I know that I'm British and I have a fantastic um, cheese culture here, but... I think that people just don't realise what America has to offer. Even the Americans don't know. You know, I have a load of American customers that come into my shop and they say, oh, it's so lovely to have a shop like yours where we can get all these lovely European cheeses. And I say, but your country has amazing cheese, And I have to then start writing down addresses of places (laughs) that they've got to go to and people they've got to see. And I think you've got to celebrate what you've got there because really and truly you've got to find out more about your cheese, if, if because of, if, I love cheese, but also your other foods, because farmers' markets wouldn't have sort of come to Europe if it wasn't for for America, really and truly.
1: Now, isn't that interesting? The cross the cross Atlantic exchange. Um, Well, I think, you know, just for our listeners, I would love I'm going to tell them a little bit about how you broke down the different regions in your book, um, because I found it fascinating. So you were saying that, uh, obviously, in the in the Northeast and in Canada, um, a lot of the settlers were French or Dutch or British. And then in the center of the country, in the Great Plains, and the Midwest, where I'm from, um, there were a lot of Germans and uh, also Scandinavians and people from Holland and the Netherlands and then the west coast of course was settled by um, more Spanish um, and uh, and Latin people um, and Italians as well um, and so those uh, sort of core groups kind of formed the the cheese grammar uh, I guess if you will for those for those regions which has grown up over the years and is now of course being changed with this whole cheese revolution because um, as Kate was saying in Wisconsin and especially people who have made cheese the same way for the past, you know, 100 years or so. I guess it would even just be the past 50 years or so um, after the mechanization of cheese kind of took root. Now they're reexamining and trying to return to those more artisan um Roots and looking to and looking to what was done before, so they can get back into the artisan cheese um, game and play, you know, equally with uh, the new generation of cheesemakers that has come up here in the U.S.
2: Um, yes, very interesting cheesemakers makers in the West Coast, I think, and um, and also the land being reclaimed as well. You know that you think of California as being desert. You know, I I can only go by old films, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> old cowboy films, and uh, you know, seeing the Wild West, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, seeing uh, you know these vast um, dry plains, you know, uh, of, of cowboys. Um You know steering the cattle across these plains, but um they once the uh, the land had been um irrigated and they went straight into um growing vegetables and fruit and you know all things like that it, it was only much of time once the irrigation was sorted out that that there, there would be grazing for um for cattle, for cows, sheep goats but especially goats and you know goats, goats milk is very easy to transform into cheese and it's a, it was a natural thing i should think for the west coast to go into goat goat cheese making and well, that, some of the greatest goat cheeses come from around there don't they
1: they do well let's um we actually have to take a quick break but when we come back i would love to hear your thoughts on some of your favorite goat cheeses um from the west coast and uh talk a little bit more about your travels um so, yes Stay with us on cutting the curd. We'll be right
2: back. I'm a living while I'm living to the Father. I will pray. Only in you know how we get through every day. Only I give the price. I'm a living. We are feeling. Why in our leaders? Play. I'll oh. I see people. I'll rip on i rub. I'll grab. If they follow this, they feel long back. No love for the people who are suffering.
1: Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. Our show today has been sponsored by TechServe, uh, New York City's only independent Apple store. You can check them out on the on the web at techserve.com. And our show today has been engineered and produced by Nat Weiner. My guest is Patricia Michelson, who is owner and founder of La Fromagerie, one of London's most famed cheese shops, and also uh, most recently author of a beautiful book on cheese. Um, Patricia, tell us, how, how can people get a copy of, uh, of your book? Um, is it something they can order online, or what's the best yeah, route?
2: Yeah, no, no, it's on Amazon and um i know there is an american version you know that's been um, americanized um with the wording so um you can get it on amazon.com or you can go to amazon.co.uk if you want the british version
1: that's so funny. So they they Americanize uh, the, the text. So is that so like center is spelled C-E-N-T-E-R as opposed to C E N T R E.
2: they, they uh, went to a lot of trouble for that. That is and, so silly. Um, it, it's quite interesting that uh, they they put a lot of effort um, into making it, um, you know, easy to read for Americans. And I think that also that because the, um, there was this Big chapter on, on American cheese. They, they. I think that's what made them uh, take it up. The American uh, publisher at that end. That they felt it was. Uh, I think it's Gibbs Smith that uh, it was worthwhile uh, translating into Ameri- You know, the Americans, if you if you wish. Absolutely. Um, yeah, which was, I thought, was, um, a great compliment, um, and I was absolutely delighted that the French were and um, picked it up, which is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, they think they think you know
1: French. Uh, well, and this is not speaking of everyone, of course, but a lot of French think that you know French cheese is kind of the end-all be-all and anything that happens outside their, their country's borders is not quite as uh, exciting. I know, I yes. R- I routinely I have uh, French customers come to my shop who um, look at the cheeses and they say, oh the, you know, how delicious and how beautiful and they're remarking all, you know, about how how, how nice everything looks and then um, when I tell them that all the cheeses are American, you can kind of see this pallor come over their faces and they're like, what?
2: <laughs> like, I know, I know, they, they can never understand but it's the same with anything they they, um when they get english cheese in france they'll get a so-called stilton and cheddar box standard but they won't very few will have a real artisan handmade cloth bound cheddar a few places will uh but the rest won't even good Cheese shops will go for just you know, oh this is a bit of English cheese, ha ha, you know, and not really take it seriously, and it's to their detriment. And you know, you would expect now that the French would actually embrace. The whole of Europe and look at it in, in you know, a much more positive way.
1: And I think and they um, are. I think they're probably it's probably a generational thing, as it has been with us too, in, in England and in the US. If a younger group of people getting into the business, kind of having the connections and relationships across different countries, um, hopefully we'll you know hopefully they'll start to do more of it.
2: Well, um, yeah, I think so. I think that in Britain we're very much more open-minded as well you know to have a shop like mine that that actually takes cheese from all over the continent seriously and not just concentrating on one thing only but taking it really seriously all over is it's very it's a very good thing and it shows that there is fabulous cheese in Norway, Holland, wherever, Um, and you, you don't have to just go to that country in order to find it, you can find it here. And I think, as you say, younger people are going into the business and are being fascinated by it, and being fascinated not just by the cheese, but by the land, what the land has to produce and how the land gets the taste of the cheese as the end product and learning about all of that and, and getting the relationship between the land and the product is very important. Yeah,
1: well so I would love to know what are some of your favorites. I know we we talked about goat cheeses from California before the break, but um through through your travels and through your research for the book, what are some of your favorite American cheeses that you've come to to love?
2: Well, my f- I love so young Scanlon. She's a wonderful um, cheesemaker in in California. She's got Petaluma Farm. And I actually met her here in London. She came to see me in London, um, visited the shop, and, at, and actually hung out with us in, in our cheese room, um, having a look at all the um, all the, uh, French uh, cheeses. Because she has a very delicate hand, and I think that with uh, goat's cheese, especially soft goat's cheeses, you need a really delicate hand, a female hand, Mm. to um, get those uh, delicate rinds. You don't want heavy rinds on goat's cheeses and she absolutely gets it and uh, it was a joy to actually see her cheeses. Um, and photograph them, handle them, and just see how the rinds were, because they are p- probably some of the most perfect rinds you'll ever see on on goat's
1: cheese. Absolutely, and, uh, and they're very hard to come across. Her cheeses go under the, yeah. the name of. Yeah, she doesn't of, uh, make a lot. Yeah, on An- no. Dante Dairy, and they're they're very, yeah, they're very coveted, and even here you can't really uh, you can't find them too often on no, the, I on don't the think East Coast. She
2: comes from very far. Um, but that's a good reason to actually go and visit her. <laughs> I <laughs> you would know, do it. Go up there and, and go, go and visit. I and, would love uh, it. And just be what she does. And one of the first um, uh, goat's cheeses I ever tasted in New York was the Cypress Grove um, Humboldt Fog. Mm-hmm. I just love the name. I, just, I think some of the names of your cheeses in the States are incredible. They are very romantic much more romantic i think than some of the foreign um some of the foreign cheeses and uh, you know humboldt fog Truffle tremor you know it's um very evocative and i i absolutely adore that goat's cheese as well because it actually showed how you could um make it taste good but also look pretty as well which is something that goat's cheeses are known for that they always look very attractive
1: Absolutely. They I have to say they're they're my favorites. If I could uh if I was, you know, stuck on a desert island, I would bring a goat cheese with me from the Loire Valley probably. I know that's sacrilege to say cuz, you know, at my shop I only sell American things, but um those are are truly uh truly wonderful wonderful cheeses. Um
2: Yes, there's also goat sleep. I mustn't forget Goat's Leap and Redwood Hill Farm as well. You know, these are all Californian, but they all have a way about them that is uh, very interesting um, understanding foreign, you know, the foreign continental style, but then putting them into an equation that is um, that is Californian. Taking little bits like covering them with leaves or using uh, a particular, you know, a topping of a herb or something. This is all, you know, thinking right across the board. You know, um, understanding your region and understanding your place and then creating your cheese to be, you know, of that place. Very important that people don't understand that, you know, that you know when you're creating a cheese, you want it to actually be part of the place that it actually comes from. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so
1: what do you think about getting some of these American cheeses out over to your shop?
2: Is that a possibility? I'd love to. Um, oh, I'd love to it 's very hard um, there 's a lot of red tape uh, um, we were we were getting i think we've got um, pleasant cow I think that 's about the only one i think oh we pleasant store. pleasant ridge pleasant ridge that's it yes, but you see the trouble is it 's a lovely cheese it 's absolutely great, but the cost of it um, here to sell is so prohibitive it 's already, it's already an expensive cheese anyway in the states mm-hmm. but Think of it as what you paid for it and then double it. And it becomes a prohibitive amount of money to pay for a bit of cheese. So we do have it from time to time. And we were showcasing it on July the 4th. Um, (laughs) And, and, um, you know, we, we we do bring it sort of out into the open. But we would like to have more. And I think that if only the governments, you know, the American government and the English government, would actually uh, shake hands, and become more friendly in the way that uh, they can trade. It's I, sup- like I suppose we have
1: I suppose they'd have to. Our, our government would have to stop wanting to send you all of our um, GMO schlock uh, before <laughs> before they would start to talk cheese. But maybe cheese would be a good bargaining chip. Be like, okay.
2: <laughs> this well, you do know something that I, I was hoping having. Written this book and having actually extolled the virtues and, and you know rang the bell for US cheeses, it might sort of be a little wake up call to say, do you know something? We could actually do some fantastic trade with proper artisan cheeses instead of just sending over stuff that is you know wrapped in plastic and and is not has no you know sort of identity at all. I know. Why Why can't they see how much trade that they could do you know, with these cheeses?
1: Well, I think first here, unfortunately, well, no, fortunately, actually, but it would just be a, a bit of a process. We'd have to ramp up production because uh, I can't even get all the cheeses that I would like from a lot of these farms. And I feel yeah. like, you know, to reach the degree of being able to export, that would just be, that would mean that the industry had reached a truly new new phase i would i would so I would be so happy to see that happen in the in the next you know ten fifteen years i think I think it is possible
2: um, well, of course, i think it's possible i 'm hoping it is because I think that you know the world would get smaller and smaller in in a lot of senses, and it would be such a shame not to be able to you know celebrate what every country has to offer and, and be able to say Yes, I can get this. Yes, I can get that and do it in you know, a as, as uh, friendly and eco friendly way as possible to get it over here. There are you know, there are ways, there are means and you know, we're supposed to be very clever these days. Why can't we why can <laughs> put it together? Yeah. We should be able to.
1: <laughs> I, I totally agree. Well, I I wanted to ask you, we have a few minutes left and, um, you know, something that I think is so, um, you know, that's really strikes me about the way that you run your business is that you, the, the shop may be, um, you know, a beautiful kind of, uh, you know, well designed, um, sort of, you know, temple to cheese, but I feel like it still has, it has that, um, you know, the same love and the same intimacy as when you had just started with your, with your shed, you know, out in your garden. Garden. and i was hoping you could talk a little bit about the ethos of the the ambience you try to cultivate in your shop and um and some of the events and special things that you guys do there because i know it's just a, it's a very unique place
2: well thank you very much it's very kind of you um the shop uh is very much a dream in my head half the time um it's it I always wanted to, I think I always wanted to be a shopkeeper because my favourite game was playing shops as a child, <laughs> but re- really playing. I used to convert my bedroom into a into a shop and I'd invite my friends and brothers in to come and buy stuff. But And I actually, when I think about it, and I, somebody once asked me this and I thought, well, I, I dug deep into my psyche and I said, you know what, I run this shop exactly how I used to create my little shops when I was a kid. It's got no service those counters, All the people that work in the shop are out there on the shop floor, so they have to have a, not just a personality, but they have to have a knowledge and be able to talk about the products. It's very important not to hide behind a counter, behind an anonymous you know, thing that divides you from your customer. all the surfaces are very natural wooden and scrubbed and look a a little bit frayed around the edges because it's not about being absolutely pristine it's about um, showcasing the product the product sings because it's got a very simple and natural background in which to sit on and everything in it Everything that we do is seasonal, so we do we don't just do cheese. We've got lovely fruit and vegetables, and dry goods, and bread, and wine, and a cafe as well. And everything that sort of is served in the cafe is part of what is in the shop. So the chefs will come up and pick, do the shopping in the shop every day and create dishes for. Um, for the cafe that are actually being sold, all the produce is being sold. And all the cheese is very, the cheese is the center of the business. We've got a lovely walk in cheese room. Uh, it's a proper cheese room, it's not just there for show, it's there as a working room that matures and keeps the cheeses at a good ambient temperature. And you can walk in there, look at the cheese is as if it was a library of, uh, with all the explanations and then talk to the guys in there, have tastes of cheese and then choose. And it's a completely different way of, you know, you have to think about what you're doing in my shop. You just don't walk in and walk down an aisle and pick things off and put them into a trolley and then take them to the checkout. You're actually creating your meal as you're walking around the shop. And that's what I want to do. I want to make people actually enjoy the experience of shopping, of food, of seasonality, and yes, you can't get things at certain times of the year. And to, You know, this time of year, it's absolutely full of beautiful soft fruits, and you'll have those with the lovely goat cheeses and fresh potato and, you know, with mozzarella that's milky and gorgeous, and then in the winter, you'll have the, the lovely, heavier cheeses to make fondues, and you'll have, you know, lovely Apples, pears, nuts, things like that. So you, you're trying to create all of all of this within the shop so that it is more um, a pleasurable experience. And it goes further than that, as you say. We do do um, tutored tastings and tasting dinners that can be on a region or time of year. Or we're just celebrating a, a cheesemaker who we entice to come into London and um, showcase his cheeses, or his wines. So we're doing for Bastille Day. We're doing a champagne and cheese tasting, which is going to be absolutely lovely. You know, that's the sort of thing that we do.
1: That well, that is so so wonderful. And I really, I am, I am I'm sad to say that I haven't been to your shop yet. And I, and I just. Uh that is a, a, a sad thing indeed, but I'm actually coming to London. Um, when when I will be there? Um, gosh, uh, the 22nd through the 26th of July, and so oh, lovely. I will, and I'm going to be there with my family, and so I pl- and we're a big rowdy bunch. So I'm going to drag everybody um, cheesing all over London, and I cannot wait to come and see you. Well,
2: we'll come in and sit down and have um, a lovely tasting of all our cheeses in the cafe. Okay. And have have a really relaxing afternoon. Oh, I, I, I can't I, wait to see
1: you. <laughs> that will be fantastic. Yes, and unfortunately we've uh, we've run out of time. But I thank you so much for taking the time out, especially uh, you know seeing as it's as it's late over by you and um, and all that. So thank you so much for for taking time out to be on the show. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's chatting. a pleasure.
2: It's a pleasure. And uh, love to you
1: all. All right. Thank you so much. Um, and we'll see you next week on Cutting the Curd.
2: Bag. No love for the people who are suffering bad And toll to the poor Mega God help soul What is to stop the youth some gets old